Hi, and welcome to the 13th episode of Basha's Thoughts. Today I'm thinking about how to solve problems, how to find solutions, and actually how to find anything that you're looking for. It could be a solution, it could be happiness, you might be looking for relationships, or you might even be looking for God or enlightenment. Have you ever found yourself in a situation when you were solving a problem? It can be anything. It could even be a logical problem, even a math problem in school or something of this sort. And you're not quite able to find the solution. You think about it and you try it and you try it and you just can't find the solution. And then maybe someone tells you, you can just sleep on it or just go away, do something else, and then when you come back, you'll have a fresh mind and you'll be able to solve it. And sure enough, often when we go to sleep or when we think about something completely different and then come back, we're coming back from another perspective and it's easier for us to find a solution to a problem. I know my dad used to always solve math problems this way. He would go to sleep and then he would actually even dream part of the solution. And the next day he had the answer. So we often focus on a problem and we give it attention. But when we focus on a problem, it's very well defined as a problem. It is manifested, it is outlined, delimited. In a way, this is great because it gives us an exact direction. Exactly this is what I'm looking for. But the vibration of the problem and the solution are very different. And whenever we have the problem manifested, whenever we focus on that manifestation and the different underlying thought patterns and feeling patterns that are related to the manifestation of the problem, well then we are holding on so tightly to the problem that we are not allowing the solution to show up. Thought patterns can be quite explicit. Vibrations such as contexts within which things arise can be feelings or beliefs. For instance, if we have a fear, it will automatically set us up to look for a threat. Oh, is it coming from this way? Is that dangerous? Oh, that sound, is this something that I should watch out for. So if you're in a state of fear, you will automatically be looking for certain things and finding them. If you have a belief about something, maybe you believe that others are here to take advantage of you, and as soon as you interact with someone, you will be looking for exactly that. And that's what you will be finding, because you're already expecting to find a way in which the other person takes advantage of you. Now, if you're in a loving state, then automatically you will be finding ways to improve the situation for maybe the other beings involved around you. So the vibration, meaning the context, 
meaning how you feel about things and what you believe, as well as the more explicit thought patterns are things that can keep you grounded and stuck in the vibration of a problem and in the vibration of the search, in the vibration of the looking for something. Thus, the key seems to be release. How can we learn to release, let go of all of these things? Well, this is something that is very practical. It can be used across the board in so many different places. And it is, in fact, used, for instance, when it comes to negotiations. Whenever you are arguing or whenever you are discussing something with someone else and you may be arguing for your case and explaining why your opinion or whatever it is that you're presenting is the best, that argument will usually make your opponent dig in even deeper and try to find even better arguments for why their opposite idea of what is the best is the best. So this is a little bit like you holding on to a towel and a dog holding on to the other end of the towel. And the more you tug, the more you pull, the more the dog is going to pull. So what do you do? How can you get out of this releasing? That's the idea. To gain something, first you have to give it up. So with the dog and the towel, first you stop tugging and then the dog also stops tugging. And when the dog opens the mouth, you take the towel out of the mouth of the dog. That's it. So you start by releasing. This is like opening up your opponent. And when you open them, you also invite them to connect with you. And you also open up a more real space. This is something that is used in negotiation techniques. For instance, Chris Voss, a famous hostage negotiator, uses this technique of, uh, that's right. And it goes like this. Whatever your opponent, the person that you're negotiating with, tells you, you listen to it very carefully. And then you basically try to find a way of using this so that you can hear the words, that's right, from the other person. So what you do is you regurgitate what they just said, give it back to them. And you can say, okay, so if I'm hearing you right, you're saying, and then you give them their argument, but make sure that you're not putting on any kind of spin of your own so that you get them to say, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's it. And then in this negotiating technique, best thing to do is leave it there. Why? Why would you leave it there for a while? Because you have just opened the person up. 
Now they are open to finding a solution. We are now in the fertile ground, the field of infinite possibilities, where a solution can manifest itself. So you want to leave that space for a moment, for a time, and then come back again and continue from there. This is the same language that Marshall Rosenberg uses, the love language of the giraffe, where, for instance, he takes couples who have had opposing views on some things and may have had these opposing views for even decades, and he sits them down and he gets them to do basically the same, release. In this setting, what he gets them to do is to tell what the needs of the other person are. So, if I'm hearing you right, you have a need to express yourself, but you find that you never get the chance to do so. Yes, that's right! Now you understood me. And then the other person says, and you, if I understand it correctly, then you have a need to whatever. And when both of them find themselves in this, yes, that's right, you got it, ground, they are in the fertile soil. And from there on, the solution manifests itself. Because they have already defined very well what the problem is, and now they have released their focus on the problem, their focus on the lack of the solution. They have released that, and in the fertile ground, it will grow very quickly. So, this is something that you can use with other people when interacting with them, so that you get to connect with them better, and you have much more pleasurable, interesting interactions. But you can, of course, also use it just on yourself. And every time that you create this polarity of a problem, of a search, of looking for something, whenever there's something you want, desire, wish for, it is great to create this well-defined question or define your desire. Exactly what is it you want? Oh, I want this and this. I'm looking for that. Excellent. Now you have a very clear direction of what it is you want. But then the next step is to release it. And here's the trick though. How do you know? I mean, how do you know if you have released it? How do you know if you're on the path of finding a solution or not? Well, there are a couple of clues. You can use your body and your feelings because these will be telling you about your contexts, the underlying beliefs, the underlying feelings that then create the possibility of something arising, the possibility of a lack of a solution or the possibility of a solution. So very often you will actually feel the lack and you can look at your thoughts that automatically tend to arise around it. Let's say you're looking for something. Let's say you want to have a relationship. Oh, that would be so nice to have a relationship. 
And then what happens after that? What, is, what happens in your mind, in your body? If the next thoughts and feelings are along the line, but I never find the right person, and they always end up being like this or like that, or, but I'm too fat now, or, um, but whatever it is that comes up and clings onto a justification, an explanation of the problem or an explanation of how big the problem is or why the problem exists or how long it's been there. If there's any kind of complaining or holding on to the problem, then you're not releasing, you're not on the path of finding the solution. So how would you feel if you were on the path of finding the solution? Well, if you were on that path, then as soon as you see your question or your desire, uh, if it's the desire, oh, I want a relationship, and the first thing that comes up for you is how nice that is, how much you're looking forward to it, how amazing that will be. Well, then you are on the path of creating that solution because if that possibility will arise in your surroundings, that opportunity, you will notice it and you will seize it because you will be in the vibration of creating a solution. Whereas if you are in the vibration of the lack of the solution, you're very likely to miss that. So by looking at how you feel, what you believe, and where your thoughts tend to go automatically, because if you don't pay attention to your feelings, you might not know how you feel about something, then you will notice the expression of it in your thoughts. Are you starting to complain about the lack? Or are you starting to talk about the, the beauty of the realization of the solution? So, these are some tools that I sometimes use to try to see where I'm at when it comes to some problems that I'm solving or things that I'm looking for. And it's very similar to something that Claire Wineland used to talk about. So Claire Wineland uh, lived here on Earth for 21 years and she was one of the most happy beings I have come across. She had cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease that basically condemns you to a short life full of struggle, knowing that you will die. And actually in her life she did die six times and only the seventh was a final death. And Claire used to talk about beating the system. So she would say, you guys, look, everyone is telling you to look for stuff. Look for happiness, the search for happiness. Look for health, look for all these things. But you don't have to do that. Instead of looking outside for all of that stuff, start with the happiness. Start by being happy. Look at everything you have. Look at 
every part of you, even the sadness and even the struggle and everything. And you will see that it's actually beautiful. And you go from that. And from that you live. So this is a path of celebration. This is a path where you celebrate happiness and you live out of happiness. You don't live to become happy. You start with happiness. And to be able to find the beauty in the sadness, the beauty in the struggle, how do you go about that? Well, this is actually related to finding God. This is related to enlightenment. This is related to the search for God. The search for God is like many other searches, futile if you focus on the search. But if you can release and let go, then you can have success. But the thing with God is that God is not a thing. God is not definable. God is infinite and cannot be limited. And so you have to release. Usually when you want something, you're looking at the manifest, something that is manifest, and you create a manifest desire. I want this. And that is a manifest thought. Then you go back and you release it. And you release all of the surrounding contexts of feelings and beliefs. And from there, room you manifest the solution, which is very often something also tangible in some sense, as tangible as a thought or even as tangible as a person or a thing. But when it comes to God, God is not that tangible. <laughs> so what happens is you release. And the thing with the search for God is that you keep releasing. So you release physical tensions, okay. You release your thoughts. You release your feelings. You release everything that comes up. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper, releasing more and more and more. That is the direction. But of course, you will never find God. Because if you do find God as an experience, well, then you can be quite sure that that is not God, because that is an experience you just had or are having, or maybe will keep having for a while. But an experience is not God. God is even bigger than that. This is something that is ancient knowledge. Even the, even the Upanishads write about this. In the second chapter of the Kino Upanishad, it says something like, like this, that God is known to those who do not know him, and he is not known to those who know him. Because if you know God, well then, you don't know the real God. That which you know is God, too, because God is everything. But that is not God. God is greater than that which you know. God is beyond knowledge.
So the interesting part about this search for God, if you are able to do it in this way, in this way of releasing, well then, look, then you'll be spending a lot of time in this really fertile ground. And the more time you spend in the fertile ground, the more chances you get to manifest all of your other solutions to problems, all of your other desires. And indeed, the more time you spend in this type of releasing meditation, the more you will notice that things just come to you. You get inspirations that are right. You are able to follow your intuition. You're able to see the solutions. You're able to meet the right persons at the right time. Things just happen to start flowing for you. <laughs> so this is the positive aspect of a search for God where you actually focus on the release, on the finding and not on the searching, not on the problem. So that was it for today. Thank you very much for listening and I'll talk to you in another podcast. Take care.